The Football Pod on OTB Sports. Do you still listen to the Football Pod or is that like texting your ex? Absolutely. As I often said, I'm jealous that uh, I don't know who's so good, the little whore. <laughs> the Football Pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. We are turning our attention to Formula One and uh, this time next week we'll be looking ahead to Silverstone. Formula One journalist and broadcaster Chris Medland is with us on the line to chat about uh, a couple of the very, very interesting storylines that have popped up over the last little while. Uh, Chris, thanks a million for taking the call. How are you getting on? No worries. Yeah, it seems very early to me because I came back from Canada about 36 hours ago. So (laughs) I heard you say nine something. I was like, that shouldn't seem so early, but it does. (laughs) Uh, next week I dare say is going to be uh, pretty interesting given it's Silverstone week and just kind of looking through some of the the headlines at the moment it feels like the British media and the British motorsport voices are quite vocal at the moment when it comes to Lewis Hamilton in particular and we've spoken on the show quite a bit over the last little while about Lewis Hamilton and and the the pain that he's going through in particular this season you've got a a couple of different perspectives on this you've got David Coulthard who said that those that are struggling more are of course going to be more vocal than those that are getting results Uh, I've been in the situation where I've had the advantage of my team doing a better job and I've been on the other side when the team hasn't done such a good job you take the pain whether it's through your lower back what I would say is that if any driver feels uncomfortable step aside uh, and then on the other side of things you've got Jackie Stewart who says it's uh, it's time for him to resign Lewis Hamilton that is he's got music he's got culture he loves clothing and the rag trade would be absolutely suitable for him is this a little bit of an overreaction, Chris, or do we think that Jackie Stewart could potentially be onto something here that Lewis Hamilton is, is absolutely weighing up what he might do with his immediate future? No, it's definitely an overreaction. I mean, um, I respect Jackie a lot, but he has come up with some pretty uh, strong comments before about <laughs> Lewis and what he should or shouldn't do. And um, I think Lewis has always made pretty good calls with his career with the way it's, it's uh, panned out so far. I mean, this is the first really tough season he's had in, what, a decade nearly? So I think it's understandable that his reaction's been a bit uh, getting used to it, not being in a race-winning car, in an uncomfortable car. Uh, and he's been doing a lot of experiments, trying to find ways of improving that car. And Canada was the perfect example. Friday, he did some experiments. Car was awful. He said so. He was in a terrible mood Friday night. But because of those experiments, they made a load of changes by the race on Sunday. And he was far more competitive and finished third and said he felt like a kid again and, and was absolutely... I've never seen him so delighted with a podium. You know, this is a guy used to winning. He has the most wins ever. Uh, but just a third place was... He was just so happy with it. So I think we're seeing kind of a different side to Lewis at the moment that he's having to fight through at this stage of his career. Uh, as David Coulthard says... Whether you're in the right boat or the wrong boat in terms of how competitive your car is, you're going to speak differently about things. Uh, That's just natural. Drivers are looking for competitive advantage and they'll do it. So uh, I'm not overly concerned really about Lewis in the long term. I think Mercedes will get things sorted out. uh, And I think it won't be long before we're hearing him talking about the great job they've done and, and how they're fighting closer to the front. That that cool, tired sentiment of, you know, just shut up and get on with it. Is that pervasive throughout the sport? Uh, It's... I think it's a quite widely held view in the sense of when a team is struggling and it seems to be one team more than others, then you kind of give credit to the others for doing something more right. Uh, And it's not really on the FIA to have to make changes to then 
fix a problem of one team's making. It's on that team to fix that problem. And I think Mercedes are good enough and have shown they're good enough and are making progress that uh, they don't really need that intervention. They just need to keep their heads down and, and keep working at the issue they've had. Uh, I did see uh, from one team kind of the ride heights of every car in, in Azerbaijan where Lewis had his back problems. And according to them, the Mercedes was by far the lowest car, which meant it was going to have the most problems. And uh, that team boss was like, well, if they came and joined us all in this window where all the other nine teams are, they wouldn't have the same pain. They be so competitive uh, but then that's on them for their car concept so I think there's little sympathy from other teams uh, but Canada also showed shoots of recovery that we'd seen in Barcelona as well which is a similar track to Silverstone so I think the British public will, will have a more competitive Mercedes to see there too. Uh, Chris like it, it's interesting to see as well um, in Canada Lewis Hamilton arrests that run of seven defeats if you want to call it that to, to George Russell like Russell has been Mr. Consistency really for, for Mercedes so far this year I think he still you know has that record of being top five in every single race so for, for Lewis to, to get one over his teammate when he's so used to you know in the last number of years being dominant over that over uh, Valtteri Bottas that must mean something to him now that he can maybe kick on from here and, and, and kind of use this rivalry with George Russell to his benefit yeah, absolutely. It's been a bit of a strange situation in that sense because lots of people were looking forward to this battle between Lewis and George and, and how it's going to pan out. And we expect it to be very close. But because Lewis has kind of taken on a bit more of the burden as the more experienced driver, uh, then it has meant that it's backfired a few times and left him a little bit out of position compared to George, who's been brilliantly consistent. I've been so impressed with the way he's not really put a foot wrong. I think his first qualifying session, he tried to overdrive the car a bit like it was a Williams and he needed to put it further up the grid than it needed to be or could be. Uh, and Mercedes said to him, calm down you know you're in a, a better car now just get the most out of it that's what we need you to do and he's done that ever since he just took that on board and has been excellent I think we did see a slight turning point partly because um, of how extreme Hamilton had gone with his setup on the Friday and how that could have really hurt him but also as George gets more comfortable he can take on more kind of responsibility and the two of them can then work together to find a sweet spot that should put them both in a better position for a race rather than just one car or the other so uh, I think we're going to see that rivalry kind of evolve they do seem to have a very good relationship I think George really understands that he can learn a lot from Lewis and that he's biding his time yeah this is going well for him now but also longer term if he impresses Mercedes he can take on the leadership role uh, and when I did an interview with him in Monaco it was he kind of said that I'd, I'd take a tough year now with the potential to be in a team that could win six seven championships in a row than a flash in the pan season where in my first year I win the title but then we're never near it ever again so he feels like he's in the best place for his long-term career and I think that has kind of led to this rivalry not bubbling over so much um, because they're both at different stages and they know it it's funny like I'm, I'm looking here Chris at the list of, of races to come uh, the four races between now and the mid-season break so you've got as, as Owen mentioned Silverstone coming up we have Austria we have France and we have uh, Hungary as well uh, like we know Lewis Hamilton has that extremely impeccable record in, in Silverstone eight, eight wins there in all like if you look at those those tracks Silverstone, Austria and France uh, specifically like you see a lot of people in, in an engineering sense online talking about these fast sweeping corners on those tracks the, the smooth wide tracks as well that might suit Mercedes a little bit more without you would hope that the porpoising issue that has been uh, dogging them of late so do you see that the next three or four races before this mid-season um, finale or uh, break as quite important for Mercedes? 
Oh, yeah, certainly very important just to give them a bit of hope in terms of that they are making progress with their concept and that this season's not a complete write-off because don't forget, being the first year of a new set of regulations, the cards that all the teams have now, they're going to want to evolve and develop. And if Mercedes need to suddenly go, actually, we've got it wrong this year, they need to restart and come up with a whole brand new car concept for next season, which is a lot of work, a lot of expense under a budget cap. Um, so that would be a kind of admission of defeat that they don't want to ever have to go through. But I do think Silverstone will suit them more. I think France... Uh, specifically will be better than either Austria or Hungary. Uh, Austria kind of middle ground, I think, and that will actually suit some other teams quite well as well. I mean, the likes of Alpine might be very strong there, who were strong in Canada. So um, I think that might, you know, I, I don't think Austria is one where we can expect a brilliant result from them. In fact, Mercedes have struggled there in the past with previous cars, but yeah, two of the next three, I think, could be really good opportunities. And uh, what we saw in Spain, which was the last uh, track that was similar to Silverstone was a real step forward for Mercedes. I mean, we went into qualifying thinking they might be in the mix of pole. And they were slightly off it, but they were they were much closer to the top two. So if they've continued that improvement and we just haven't seen it in the last few races because of the sort of circuits we've been to, Monaco, Baku and, and Canada all being quite unique and semi-permanent or street circuits, then it could be another step forward again in Silverstone. So yeah, really, really important to show that at the very least, they haven't slipped any further back from Red Bull and Ferrari on this sort of track. Just struck me there, Chris, when you're talking about uh, time zones and uh, still being on, on Canada time in all respects. Like, at times, you're probably glad as well to have this two-week break, and I'm sure everyone who works in Formula One is glad to have those little two-week breaks, uh, say, for example, between Montreal and Silverstone um, at the moment. What, what, like, what's that like at, at times? Because I know it, like, for, the, for the engineers and for the teams themselves, obviously it's a lot of packing up gear, transporting things across the world. For people like yourself and, and journalists covering the races, you know, it's, it's stressful too and it's a lot of, lot of time spent in hotels and airplanes. Like, what's it like uh, for yourself um, being part of this travelling circus that is Formula One and, and trying to deal with these time zones and, and life on the road? I'll admit it's really full on. Um, I, the last standalone race, as in just one race that wasn't a back-to-back, was Miami. So since Miami, every race for the rest of the season is either two in a row or three in a row, uh, which means you are hopping time zones quickly. We went from Baku to Canada, which meant one night in London on the way there. But your, your time zone swing there was about eight or nine hours, I think, between the two venues. Uh, and then coming back the same. So you just about get on to Canadian time and then you lose it coming back. Uh, most of F1 was delayed on flights as well, which are out of their hands. But um, there's a lot of issues with flights coming home. So lots of people got back very late, very tired. As you say, for the teams, they go into their factories, they're working. They're trying to improve the cars. They're trying to prepare for the next race. Um, sort of the PR teams, are certainly with Silverstone, for most of them, it's the home race. They're doing lots of activations. Yeah, we don't stop working as journalists either. You kind of, you try and kick yourself back onto the time zone as quickly as you can. You're writing a lot. You're doing media appearances. Um, you're talking about the fallout from the last race. You're previewing the next one. You're doing interviews. Uh, so we've got from Monday, you're at McLaren for a preview event. Uh, Tuesday at Red Bull for a preview event. Wednesday, there's an event in London. So you're still traveling around um, and gathering things and doing interviews. You're just not doing it at a race venue. And then from Thursday, you're at Silverstone. So it doesn't really stop. You try and just take the, the Saturday, Sunday, if you can, uh, like anyone else gets a normal weekend, if you can. But um, sometimes that's not possible because news might break or things might happen. So uh, it's quite relentless. But at the same time, you get very caught up in this world when you're traveling around with it. It is like a small traveling circus, a bit of a family. And you know a lot of what's going on. You know what's coming next. And you get into quite a rhythm. So it's only when that rhythm maybe gets away from you a bit that it, it becomes a real, real struggle. But the rest of the time, it's it's quite fun to be in and you get caught up in it. Um, and you look forward really to the, the summer break, the one you mentioned in four races time, where there's, I think, three weeks, where there's a mandatory shutdown for two weeks for all the teams to try and make sure everyone takes some time off and you try and do it then. It's interesting. Like, is it, is, like when you're in that sort of 
environment you obviously get into kind of like a, a routine of the familiar faces of, of the teams and the other media around you is, is is it very much a case where the journalists and those that are actually working on the teams keep their distance or are you sometimes hopping on a transatlantic flight and there's a, an engineer from a certain team sitting beside you Oh yeah, plenty of times yeah. you end up mixing with teams and other media and, and uh, all sorts, anyone working within the sport really, just because of the nature of the travel and limited flights, limited ability to move around. Um, a lot of people coming out of Canada on uh, Monday night, you know, lots of the teams, I'd say probably 60, 70% of Formula One as a traveling unit was leaving on, on Monday night and delayed coming out of Montreal airport. So everyone's mixing at the airport and sharing tales of woe and then on the planes together. Um, and there were some pretty bad tales of woe, some terrible uh, management from one of the airlines that took people off the flight for no reason. So mm. that's still ongoing. There's people that were there working at that race that are only just getting home now. Um, and, you know, they're turning around to go to the next race very soon. So, um, yeah, you, you do you do mix a lot and, and sometimes share stories. What's interesting there is it's not always how you would find out things or that, you know, kind of news is moving around, but you've all got something in common when you're part of it. So um, it's like a level of mutual respect there between many people, which is um, really cool to see. It just tends to be the top brass and the drivers that try and keep their distance because yeah. they're wary that you're going to try and uh, dig out some news from them. Just to touch on a couple of those teams from from Canada, uh, Chris and, and their performances. Uh, we know now Max Verstappen has this forty six point lead over over his Red Bull teammate Sergio Perez, and then you have Charlotte Claire who who you know really stormed into a into a lead at the start of the season. Uh, probably driver of the day for many people in in Montreal, like up to fifth uh, from a nineteenth uh, start in the grid due to that grid penalty, of course. Carlos Sainz as well on the podium again. I think it was his eleventh career podium, but still without a without a win, which is quite remarkable for a driver of his talent. But like probably a race on a weekend in Canada of what might have been for Ferrari, but they still had the pace and got their pit stops uh, very right. So they weren't that far off for Stappen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with Sainz, they got their pit stops right. With Leclerc, he did have a delayed one that could have cost him at least fourth, maybe even third. He could have been in that mix with Mercedes due to the late safety car. But you're right that actually there was encouraging signs. You know, it was only a week before where both Ferrari drivers retired uh, and it was disaster for the team. Whereas they then went to Canada, the clerk took his grid penalty and limited the damage really well. He was very mature, very calm with his drive, didn't rush anything, was clinical with his overtaking moves uh, and got himself basically the most he was ever going to get out of that result. But also now he has a fresh engine in there that should, Mattia Bonotto, the team principal, has said it should let him attack the next four races before the summer break, which is kind of exciting in that he needs to, you know, with the gap that you guys have just mentioned, 49 points to max, he needs to be taking points off him in the next four races, at least over that spell. It doesn't have to be at every race, but over that, over those four races, he needs to close that gap somewhat. Um, I think we saw a different side of Max, actually, in the fight with Carlos in the race. Uh, Carlos definitely had the quicker car, was the quicker package, just not quite enough to get past. But Max had to be on it every lap, not put a foot wrong. And you really watched that race thinking, He's never going to make a mistake. You really believed that that Carlos was going to have to do something really impressive to get ahead and win the race. I think that shows the level that Max Verstappen operates on, that you don't expect to see him under pressure cracking at any stage. And don't forget, someone like Sebastian Vettel did in Canada back in, it would have been 2011, I think, with Jensen Button on the final lap, um, a race he had under control and he just went a bit wide and, and lost the lead on the final lap. And you just see those little moments sometimes from certain drivers but the very best, just don't make those mistakes. And yeah, Max has shown that he's right at that level. So it was a shame for Carlos not to get his first win, but it did look like it's a bit closer for him because he too didn't really make any mistakes in putting the pressure on. Uh, and he, you know, the, the kind of opportunity didn't overwhelm him. Uh, he looked like he's he's ready to win when the situation allows. So uh, yeah, I think positive signs from, from both teams in that sense. But in the end of the day, it's a, another win for Verstappen and extends his lead even further. 
just wanted to touch on Haas with you, Chris, as well. And uh, I think we're all Gunther Steiner fans of the last couple of years. We certainly fell fell in love with with him and his comments and his uh, his persona. Um, like weekend started off very very well for them. Like both drivers in the top six, the only team in fact with both drivers in the top six locked out that third row of the grid. Obviously, didn't go to plan in the race. Last of the seventeen finishers and one of the non-finishers as well, as as it uh, turned out. But some really interesting comments I thought from from Kevin Magnussen um, after this race, Chris. So he was talking about, uh, you know, obviously starting on fifth in the grid, and then his his prospects really went out the window with this minor front wing end plate damage. Uh, so the opening lap, this happened, and then he's instructed by race control to pit for repairs. But the comments from Kevin afterwards, and I have them in front of me here. So he says, the front wing was safe. It was not broken off. Think back to Jeddah last year. Lewis Hamilton won the race with half a front wing, which I think is correct. You know, let us race if we can. Feels like suddenly very different. Monaco, they don't start us because it starts drizzling. Here I'm called in because I have a scratch on my front wing. He's almost hinting at maybe different treatment between uh, the top teams and the likes of Mercedes and Red Bull and treatment of, of himself and his teammate at Haas, Mick Schumacher. Like, is there anything in that? Is he, is he clutching at straws or do you think there is something there? I think it would be interesting to see what would happen if it was one of the top three teams and it would have ruined the, the fight at the front for a win. Uh, I, I can see where his logic comes from that, uh, mainly because we haven't had that same scenario this year. But I think his wider point is that um, the FIA were being overly cautious about certain things. And while safety has got to be very important, you've got to think of there's still a risk reward balance. And it was things like Monaco. I agreed with him. There was uh, rain potentially coming and it turned out to be heavy rain for a spell. But they waited and delayed to start the race and waited just to see if it was going to rain heavily. And it's like, well, if we're going to wait on the weather potentially doing something, we'll never go racing ever. There's always a chance that, you know, at some stage it might rain. So let's just pack up. That We sometimes need to just get on with it and respond to the conditions, you know, uh, be aware of them and kind of react as they develop. But um, I, yeah, I think there was maybe some overcautiousness in Monaco. And I think that's what he's getting at, that that's continued from what he's seen and that we've then seen the same with his front wing issue which I do think was unfair on him and that, that did drop him right out of the running and that's why he didn't score uh, Mick Schumacher as well was yeah, his pace wasn't great and he was slipping back a bit before he had a, what was a suspected engine problem which shows that Ferrari still had some issues uh, so then he had to retire as well and he's not had any luck trying to get his first points he's had quite a few issues but um, yeah Haas have been looking quite strong um, they just haven't had things fall their way sometimes through their own errors sometimes through luck or things outside of their control uh, and what was really interesting actually about something else Kevin said was he'd been talking to Esteban Ocon in the uh, sort of TV pen after the race and it was Ocon who came over team radio he was told by his team that Magnussen had a damaged front wing and Ocon responded like saying yeah it looks really bad it's a really big piece it could fly off in the face and then after the race he went up to Kevin and was like oh I was the one who got you they had to have to pit. I was the one who told them it was really, really bad and they have to pit you. And Kevin wasn't angry at Ocon for this. He said, fair play. If you know that those messages are going to get through to race control and gain your position, you're going to do them. But race control shouldn't be that easily influenced by these sorts of comments that are clearly a little bit biased. And that throws back all the way to when we said about Mercedes and their car issues. Like each team and driver, depending on how, how it affects them, are going to respond differently just to try and get their competitive advantage. So, um, yeah, I think Magnussen was pretty annoyed with the way the stewards handled that one. And I kind of do side with him. Uh, I think it was a borderline call, but I, I think they they probably were, could have let that one go until at least the first pitch stop and kind of said, look, maybe it needs repairing then rather than just completely ruining his race straight away. All right, Chris, uh, enjoy your weekend off. Enjoy getting back onto British summertime. We'll chat to you again soon. Thank you very much. I will do. Cheers, guys. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 